Hello and welcome to Let's Talk Tradies, a podcast brought to you by myself, host Monique Dradovac, bricklayer and owner of mjbricklaying.co. I have created this podcast to empower, motivate, inspire and educate, bringing to you a choice of topic from inside the construction industry, women in trades, mental health and wellness, along with a bit of fun. The following podcast has been recorded at Tradie HQ. So before we jump into today's episode, guys, I have to address something. All of my timber wooden props have been stolen from my job yesterday and I'm not happy about this. I've been collecting these for months. I had about 16 of them and for anyone who doesn't actually know what we use wooden props for, it's to hold the uh, stand the windows and door frames on the job because unlike over east, we don't get many veneers over here. So literally we cannot really do our job without them. So guys, I'm going to be posting on my Facebook and Instagram stories and I really want you guys to write in on things that have been stolen from the job site that you cannot go without. And I want to be sharing these stories next week on the potty. So guys, please write in and I'd love to hear all your stories. So hello everyone and welcome back to Let's Talk Tradies. Today I have with me Dan, who is the owner of Tradie HQ. Dan, you're actually an electrician by trade as well. And now you have opened up Tradie HQ a couple of years ago. Um, so can you tell us a little bit about your story? Yeah, so well, it's a it's a decent story, but I guess the the abridged version is, um, yeah. I, so electrician, <coughs> excuse me. Uh, actually, I'll start from the relative beginning. So yeah, Perth born and bred, joined the army straight out of school, uh, and did that for eleven years, and then got out and started my mature age apprenticeship as an electrician. Um, finished my time and then started my own uh, electrical contracting business as like a one man band sort of thing. Um, and at the same time was, uh, was also working as the business development manager for a hire company called the hire guys. And, uh, and, and then at the same time as that started a Facebook group for Perth based electricians too. And so throughout the few years that, uh, followed on from there, I realized that, um, as a, as a small trade based business, uh, it, it's a few things. It's lonely. Um, there's, there's not many people to talk to. Uh, if you did want to grow from working out of home and into like a your own property, uh, it's a it's a pretty big jump with nothing in the middle. So you had to you know sign a three or a five year lease, or if you're in a position to to buy something, you know uh, leverage whatever assets you had to take this dive into getting your own property. Um, and I looked at other industries like uh, the tech tech startup industry, creative startup industry, and that sort of thing, and and they all had opportunities. Uh, which were called co-working spaces or flexible workplaces. <clears throat> and I did a bit of research and, and found out that there was nothing like that specifically for tradies. And so I sort of had the idea to start a co-working space for tradies. Um, and yeah, that, that was what sort of uh, gave birth to Tradie HQ. So in going through that, uh, I guess, development phase and planning phase, it was, you know, we had to look at what made it attractive to tradies and what made it specific for tradies that made, that made it stand out from other available flexible workplaces. And so the main thing, I mean, there were a few things, uh, obviously as tradies, if we did want to make that clean break from home, it probably doesn't just mean that we need an office. You know, you probably also amassed a whole heap of tools, um, equipment, you know, spare materials and that sort of thing that are probably taking up space in your garage or your back shed or something. So not only did it need to have an office space, but we also needed the opportunity for storage. Um, so storage was was a feature we needed. Um, location. So, you know, currently the, the majority of most flexible workplaces are located in CBD locations. Mm. And I know as a tradie, 
uh, when I'm being paid to go into the city, I hate it. So let alone when I'm paying to be there, like it would just give me the shits. Yeah, absolutely. Let alone trying to find parking, you know, if you've got a a van or a ute with ladders and that sort of thing, A, parking is horrendous and B, it's going to cost you, you know, up to another 30 bucks a day just to go into work. Uh, so location, so then we settled with Osborne Park because that's uh, what I consider to be the sort of commercial CBD north of the river and also close to where I live. Um, so, yeah, so workshop, oh, sorry, storage, location, and then the other one was workshop. So, you know, as a, as a Sparky or any, any trade really, depending on what your sort of arrangements are, you, you find that your working schedule isn't necessarily, you know, nine to five or, or seven to three or whatever it is, you might find that you need to uh, put your kids down to bed and then you need to cut and grind to prefabricate something for the next day. And, you know, you're not going to be able to do that in your garage at home. You're not going to be able to do that on the front lawn mm. with your neighbours. So the other side of it was a workshop. So we've got a workshop here being located in Osborne Park. There's no noise restrictions. Trady HQ is a 24-7 facility. So if you did find that you needed to make something at night and make noise or turn the stereo up or whatever just to just to zone out, then that's what you can do here as well. So that's it. So Trady HQ, um, office, dedicated offices, storage, a workshop, um, and the location were sort of those four key features. And, um, yeah, I think that's the answer yeah, to your question. Awesome. <laughs> so you're still an electrician, obviously, outside of Trady HQ. Do you still have your business up and running? Yeah, I do. It's um, At the moment it's sort of, well, the intent is that it's 50-50. And, but, mm-hmm. you know, as as a small business owner, it's, you know, it's work when there's work, when you've got to keep clients happy and that sort of thing. So it probably sits at the moment about 60% of my time electrical contracting and 40% on Trady HQ. Yeah, right. So, so do you have um, any employees through your company then? No, no, yeah, not, not anymore. Yourself. Yeah, it's just myself. So uh, I'm fortunate in what I do, it's fairly um, niche and specialised. So it's mainly generators, um, energy, logging and uh, rope access. So those three things are fairly uh, niche and it means that um, in order to generate enough cash flow to to be right for me, I, yeah. I don't I don't need any extra employees, which is good, and it allows me the time to spend on Trady HQ for sort of expansion and the business development side and that sort of thing. Yeah, that's the thing as well. You can just pick up jobs whenever you do, I guess, need to as well, having that business. Yeah. So I did actually listen to one of your podcasts. Uh, I've been listening to a few of them because I'm just trying to get a feel in the industry of what other people are doing. Yeah. And I did also hear as well that you're an ex-army boy. Do you want to tell us a little bit about that? Uh, yeah, so um, uh, straight out of school... I, I had no real desire to do any further education um, and so uh, my dad had always been in the Army Reserve for as long as I could remember and so I'd always sort of been around that that sort of uh, culture and, and industry I guess and so yeah when I was sort of I guess 16 I made the decision to join the Army. So did that um, and I, jo- I joined the Army uh, too, because I wanted, you know, adventure and I wanted to travel around and, and see the world and see Australia and that sort of thing. So that's, that's what happened. So we, my first posting was to Townsville. Um, and then in, so that was in 98, I joined and then 99 went to East Timor, um, for the first, uh, deployment there and then spent eight months there, came back and then had a heap of postings. So then went from Townsville to Karatha up to the Pilbara Regiment from Karatha back to Townsville, no, 
Yeah, yeah, Caratha back to Townsville, <laughs> uh, Townsville down to Sydney, and then while I was in Sydney, we went to Afghanistan in two thousand and six. Yeah, two thousand and six, uh, and then up to Cairns, and then back to Townsville, and then by that stage, I was ready to get out of the army for the same reason that I got in because I'd had enough of travelling around. Like I'd moved interstate eight times in eleven years, um, and then so yeah, decided it was time to get out of the army. Um, and then moved back here to Perth and started my mature age apprenticeship as a uh, as a sparky with my dad's company. So that was, which was a bit of a, a an eye opener too. You know, like it's it's one thing to go into your dad's company as the boss's son, sort of thing, as a as a twenty eight year old yeah. apprentice. Um, but then it's another thing to go from being a, a sergeant in the army and sort of being in charge of people to starting at the bottom again as a as a mature age apprentice. Yeah. And then having to go to TAFE with like 16 to 21-year-olds and just be that like grumpy old man, ironically, as a 28-year-old in the back corner of the classroom sort of. I remember, I remember. I think it was, must have been like maybe the first day I was sitting there and, you know, it's very regimented. I had my pens and pencils and rulers and everything laid out because that's what they told us to, to take. And, and, I, um, and they said in, the, in like the course, they said, right, uh, you don't have to wear safety boots while you're in the classroom, but when there's workshop, uh, stuff to be done, you'll need to wear safety boots. And I'm like, so why wouldn't you just wear safety boots? You know? Yeah, like, I and get then, that. <laughs> and then to save anything. And so we're sitting in class, the kid in, the poor kid in front of me, who's a good mate of mine now, turns around, he's like, um, can I borrow a pen? And I'm and I've got my pens laid out in yeah. numerical <laughs> colour order and everything. I'm like, um, no. And he's like, <laughs> he's looked at me weird. He's like, I'm like, mate, like it's one day a week. If you can't turn up to this class with a fucking pen. Oh, my God. Like, Tell me about just, it. Just leave now because I'd much rather the, the instructor to student ratio was less because I want to get this done as quick as possible. And he's just like <laughs> turned around and he must have been thinking, what a fucking wanker. Like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, and then it like, yeah, so that was, uh, but it worked out really well, you know, like I ended up sort of I guess being the, I guess, a role model just by virtue of being the oldest person there and it was, it was funny because, you know, whilst I had obviously a fair bit more life experience than a lot of these kids who were in the class, when it came to the first like literacy and numeracy um, exam that they did just to get everyone's, I'd get an idea of where everyone's at, they give us this this sheet and obviously new, uh, literacy was fine, no problem, but then it came to numeracy and there's all this stuff in this like maths questionnaire that took me straight back to like year 10 trigonometry and me sitting there in front of my maths teacher going miss when are we ever going to use this like this is so stupid and then I'm looking at this thing in front of me now like 12 years later thinking fuck like she could see me now she'd be just like shaking her head and so (laughs) but all these kids who had just come out of school smashed it and I'm sitting there going and I I remembered some of it but it ended up ended up I ended up getting a maths tutor like a year 11 maths tutor yeah that I saw once a week to help me get through that side of it because you know it'd been so long since I'd done it so that was, uh, yeah, that was pretty funny. But, yeah, back to your question, sorry about the army. It, it was great. I enjoyed, <laughs> enjoyed every moment of it. My only recommendation for anyone out there listening if they, if they are considering joining the Defence Force is to do your trade in, in the Defence Force. So not even a trade but do some sort of hard skill. You know, I was in logistics and, and management so, you know, when I got out the, the only skills I really had would have been to, you know, go and do the same thing in the civilian world which to me was just a bit boring because at least in, in the military you've got all the other options to do other cool stuff, not just this particular job. So, so yeah, anyone out there considering joining the Defence Force, 
choose a pathway that will give you a hard skill mm. at the end of it. So do you find that, I guess, well, what made you go into the electrician then? Was it because your dad was an electrician or was it something that you were interested in? Or was it just like an easier pathway for you to go down being yeah. a mature age? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was, it was probably a bit of both, yeah. I mean, it's obviously, again, the influence from my dad, I'd sort of been around his business uh, growing up and so I sort of had an idea of what it would be like. Um, and, yeah, I guess considering the options, it was it was definitely, uh, I guess, an easier thing for me in terms of trans- transitioning from the Defence Force into an apprenticeship because it was my dad's business. Um, but I also... I'd also had an interest in electronics and that sort of stuff as a kid, so I just saw it as, you know, rather than unblocking toilets for a living, um, <laughs> then, yeah, we just twist cables together and at least they're colour-coded so it's nice and easy. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, but again, uh, as an electrician and, and you know, I'm not, of course I'm not, uh, there's no nothing against any other trade, but I personally think that it's, it's a really good um, broad uh, trade, you know, like you, you have to do so many other elements of you know, like carpentry and, you know, they're still cutting and measuring and all that sort of stuff plus the, the obviously the, the specific technical side of being an electrician as well. So I think it's it's good um, for like a very broad uh, exposure to a lot of different manual tasks. Mm. So do you think that being in the Defence Force you built up a different mindset compared to I guess other kids to be able to I guess push through a lot easier? Like I guess even just saying like to now where you are in life <laughs> do you think that your mindset definitely helps being in the defense force or where did you kind of grow that I guess entrepreneurial mindset yeah I mean that's that's the funny thing you know that, and it, that was another reason why I got out of the defense force is because there's there's zero entrepreneurial um encouragement obviously you mm. know it's it's very uh institutionalized and you'll only ever be whatever the defense force determines you to be and I'd seen friends become institutionalized and and be and become sort of scared of getting out because it was like a, a harsh reality of the world yeah. as opposed to being in this sort of secure blanket of the Defence Force. Um, but then, you know, another thing and people sort of say sometimes is like, oh, you're in the army, you must be like pretty disciplined and that sort of stuff. And, and I mean, I, I consider myself to be fairly disciplined but that's not just from being in the Defence Force because in the Defence Force it's an imposed discipline, you know, like, yes, you have to be disciplined because if you're not disciplined, there's a punishment. It's it's not always a, a self-imposed discipline. And, you know, you see that with a lot of guys when they transition. They like, it's it's like a child, you know, if you, if you tell a kid they can't do something, mm. as soon as they're able to, then they just go nuts. Yep. And so similar to friends that I've had who have gotten out of the Defence Force, they like, they're like, right, that's it, I'm never shaving again. You see them three years later, they look like fucking Tom Hanks off... Oh, off really? that show, you know, he's just got straggly beard, long yeah. hair, like overweight because they're not doing PT or any exercise anymore. And so it's, yeah, the, the discipline side and in terms of like helping with the entrepreneurial thing, yeah, a lot of the experiences that I had in the Defence Force, you know, we did a lot of hard stuff and a lot of that stuff is is designed to sort of uh, help you develop coping mechanisms when under stress. Yeah. Um, but it's it's not always... A benefit you know like my wife will tell you that I'm too cold and too black and white mm. and and that sort of stuff so it's you know it comes at an expense sometimes of, of emotion so it's uh it can be good and bad but yeah certainly when things get tough uh or you know there's challenges and that sort of thing I think those experiences from the defense force and and doing hard things and I mean it doesn't need to come from the defense force you know like it could be CrossFit or it could be, you know, you go and do hikes or bushwalks or anything, you know, like anything that you sort of take yourself outside of your comfort zone 
will always you'll always take something away from it. You know, mm. you'll you'll look back on it and go, oh, wow, like if I was ever in that situation again, this is how I'd do things differently. Um, and I think that's the that's one of the most important things that people need to consider when they're when they're going through hard things is that there will, there will always be something positive that comes out of it, as bad as that situation might be either during or after you look back and go right what what did I actually get out of that and you can say well I know that I'm not going to do that again because this was the result or you know like now I know that there is another solution to this issue that I had um, because you've been through it you've experienced that hardship yeah and I guess that's the difference between someone that has a growth mindset versus what's the other word just non-growth mindset yeah yeah <laughs> um, yeah for sure you actually every setback is something that you actually learn from whereas I know so many people, I guess just even within the industry and just even friends of mine that aren't a tradie, they let the smallest things get to them and they just, you know, I suck at this, I suck at this and just let all the things like keep crumbling down whereas you're not going to get through it and you're not going to, you know, become better or see the positives in it or see what you've learned if you're just going to keep letting the negatives stay. Yeah, that's right. And I mean a lot of that sort of um, mentality as well, what I've found in, in experience, you know, when you have, you've got a group of friends and, you know, if you're the only one that owns a business, mm. no one no one understands what it's like to own a business, you know, if they've never owned a business or they've never, you know, been around like a close family member or a close friend that does because there's so much responsibility and, you know, you you can't you can't just throw your hands up in the air. You can't mm. call in sick because it starts and finishes with you. You've either got a team of people that are relying on you for direction and, and ultimately wages um, or if it is just you, like, well, then if you're not working, then there's no money coming in. Yeah, so exactly. it sort of forces you to, to make those decisions and, and develop those coping mechanisms. But, you know, it doesn't always have to be done on your own either. That's That's one thing that I've sort of learned is that, you don't be afraid to put your hand up and ask for help or ask for advice. And that's been a, a really good thing to see here at Trady HQ is just, you know, in the last three years since we've been open, uh, I think I think when I did the last count, there were about 30, 30-odd businesses that have that have either, uh, the, the, I mean, there's, and there's a few still here, but some that have come through and some that have passed passed on. And, and it's been a mixture of either um, outgrowing us, like the, obviously the Safe Style guys are a great example of that in, in a super quick amount of time. Um, or, you know, there have been other people who, you know, tried uh, having their own office and then it, it didn't necessarily work out or whatever and then they've had the opportunity to, to pull back without having to pay the rest of a three- or a five-year lease. So I sometimes not sometimes, I, I look back on other, uh, on those experiences and think it was great that they had the opportunity to to test the waters but then they also had the courage to go, oh, it's, it's not really working out, you know, yeah. and so then we need to need to pull back and, and that's great because that's exactly why I wanted to do Trading HQ is to give people the low-risk opportunity to to try and, and have, have a go, you know. And the beauty, beautiful thing is is that during the time, that they were here, they got the opportunity to to broaden their network of peers of people in a similar situation, you know, and, and it doesn't even need to be the same industry. It's a group of people that are all in sort of small business and so the challenges are all very similar, albeit with, you know, different detail but the actual feelings and emotions and everything are all the same. And so just having that opportunity to be able to speak to people and, it, you know, depending on what your industry is, it could be like your B&I group or it could be like another networking group or, you know, specifically for females, you know, there's heaps of great um, uh, female supportive industries around like NARWIC and, and all that sort of stuff. So, yeah, it's uh, 
lost track of what your actual question was. Yeah, same. <laughs> I think it was, around mo- it was around mindset, right, and and uh, and uh, resilience. Yeah. I think was probably the underlying thing. So yeah, and I'll, yeah, like I say, a lot of that comes from experience and and shared hardship. So, so let's just say that there's someone wanting to start a business, and they need so they need a room or they need space. So let's say, for example, like with me, my podcast. So if yep. I needed a room, I can come to you and say, like, hey, I want to rent a room. And you have so actually, I did hear this in one of your podcasts as well. You have different membership rates. How does it exactly work? And how do you go with helping someone actually get set up in the business and getting them taken off? Yeah, yeah. So that's that's a, a good um, segue into like uh, I guess it, there's a term called minimum viable product or MVP that gets used a lot in sort of development of software and that sort of thing. But it's basically getting something ready and taking it to market and then relying on feedback to develop it further, you know. So because this is probably a very a bit of an exception in terms of Trady HQ, but, you know, if you're developing something or you're doing a business, you're not always your own target market. So what you think might be right uh, isn't always. Mm. So, you know, when you think about like an app as an example, you, you develop an app and you might add all of these features, spend all this time and money developing the app, send it out and, and Danny would be able to attest to this with Trade, trade Heroes, I'm sure. But, you know, you spend all this money, take all this effort to, to develop and present something only to find that 70% of these things that you thought were a great idea don't get used. Mm. And so you're like, fuck, I, I could have got this to market six months earlier and cost me 50 grand less if I'd have just got the bare bones out. And then if someone wanted something, then we'll, we'll make the adjustment and add it. So with Trady HQ, it was a very similar thing I had. I actually, when I came up with the idea, I actually thought co-working, you know, like an open plan uh, hot desk arrangement was going to be the more in-demand um, offering, meaning that, you know, the, the one-man banders or one-person banders uh, who are on the road all the time just, you know, drop in on the way home, pull their laptop out, use the office, print something, run their invoices, whatever, and then go home. But so in line with that, when I when I first did the fit out upstairs in the front building, uh, I'd open planned the whole area. It was an existing offices and I'd knocked all the walls down, open planned it. And then lo and behold, people wanted offices. Yeah. So <laughs> then I had to rebuild three of the offices that I just knocked down. <laughs> oh, my God. So and I went from, you know, having all these different membership tiers <laughs> to like gold tradie that was two times a week, yep. um, gold co-working tradie three times a week and two hours of off of meeting room time. And I went through all this time and effort to build this like multi-tiered membership platform. Mm-hmm. And now as we sit here, we've got two memberships. We've got a dedicated office um, and a gold tradie. So a dedicated office, we've got uh, 20 offices in total um, of varying sizes. Um, but they, they norm- depending on where they are in the building and the size, they range from 165 to $250 a week. Um, all inclusive, so that includes, you know, all the um, internet and all that sort of stuff. The only thing it doesn't cover is printing. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so yeah, the, the dedicated offices uh, and then we've got a gold trading membership which is $88 a week and that's like the co-working member. So they can come and go as they please. They can use the workshop, the gym. Actually, I didn't mention that. We've got a gym as well. Yeah. <laughs> they can use the workshop, the gym and that sort of thing but they just can't leave anything here, you know, but upstairs in the existing co-working space that we do have, we've still got um, extra monitors and that. So if they come, they can plug in and and use that. Um, so, yeah, like I say, I went from like a six membership model to a two membership model just to keep it simple because yeah. that's that's what it was. And obviously plus the storage is on top of that. So we've got shipping containers plus secure storage and that sort of stuff. Yeah, amazing. Um, 
Yep. It definitely makes it easier, I guess, having the two memberships because, like, let's just say, like, for me going to a gym, I know that having so many different memberships is so confusing. I'm like, what? So having the two is so much easier for people. Just make it simple. Yeah, that's it. It's easier for them. It's easier for me, mm. you know, yep. and that's that's the other thing because I wanted this – I didn't want to sort of create this massive headache for myself either, you know. I wanted – from the outset I'd, I'd said that I wanted to try and make it nice and easy to where it's almost self-sufficient, you know, um, because it is – it's not open to the public so – and the and – the, the great thing is everyone who's here as a, as a tenant or a member are all business owners. So they're all super respectful. Yep. There's been, I would say, no interpersonal dramas that I've ever had to sort of mediate and, and get involved with. So it's, uh, it's, been, it's been really good. Awesome. Sounds great. All right. Well, I think I'm all out of questions for today. Yeah. No, that was, uh, that was really good. Um, yeah, like I said, it's, it's, it's different for me to be on the other side of the of the uh, podcast console, so I appreciate the uh, the invitation to, to be on your podcast. And <laughs> and I thank you so much. I'm only just in early production, so yeah. I'm still getting the hang of the whole communicating, talking, all that kind no, of stuff. No, you did really well, yeah. No, oh. that, was that, that flowed really well, so well done. All right, well, thank you so much for joining me today, Dan. No worries. Where, when I, where, where do you post the podcast to? What's your Instagram? Okay, so I actually have my social platforms at Let's Talk Tradies, which is on Instagram, and I have launched my website as well. I also have my Facebook um, that I've just started up as well where tra- tradies can actually, I guess, communicate and we can ask questions and post on there as well. So, I, um, But, yeah, I just want it to be like a new fun little environment for all tradies, I guess, wanting to grow themselves in the business or even just looking into the trade because if someone is looking to get into a trade, let's just say – I'm brand new and I want to decide between cabinet making and bricklaying. If I want to ask the question, I can have all these people that are already in the community giving their advice to it. And I can also talk about that on my podcast as well. Yeah, nice one. And that's, and you know, like I was saying before, I think a really good thing if people listening is to obviously post questions or, you know, post links to people that they would want to hear from that mm. you can then source to sort of get on the podcast. So Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Nice one. All right. Well, thank you. All right, thank you so much for joining me today. No worries. <laughs> So that's what I have for you guys today. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. If you like this episode and think you might know someone who could get something from this episode, please like it and share it on your Instagram stories and tag me in it at Let's Talk Tradies.